everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And today we have Nell Diamond with us as a guest who's the founder of Hill House Home, who is the maker of the very famous nap dress. I'm so excited to have her on. But before we get into the episode, this episode is sponsored by Knight, the makers of our favorite pillow. We're going to tell you more in the episode, but Knight is actually retiring our favorite silk face mask. So this would be sad news, except now they're half off and you can use our code NIGHTBOP to get an extra 20% off. But before we get into our interview, let's do some highs and lows. These are going to be a little bit lame because I'll be honest that it's only been two days since we recorded the last episode. Yeah, so I'm going to New York next week, and I didn't want to record and lug my microphone around and all of that, so I made Becca do this two days after we recorded last week's episode, so we're ahead of time. (laughs) So what's your high, Grace? I'm going to just be predictive and say that it was my trip to New York, um, which I haven't gone on yet, but I am going to New York. I stayed or will be staying at the Ludlow Hotel, which is one of my absolute favorite hotels in the city. I am doing like a bunch of work stuff. I have a shoot booked with Allie. I have several different brand meetings with just like companies and agencies I work with and then a couple like fashion brands. And then I'm spending two nights out in the Hamptons on what has become like a mini press trip. Originally, like I had booked and paid for a hotel room and like all the things. And then Alex was like, actually, do you want to stay at this like fancy place in Amagansett? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. (laughs) So I canceled my room at the Harpoon House, which is a beautiful hotel in Southampton, but I had to pay for that. So I get to stay in this wonderful house with, I don't know if you know Christina Caradona from Trope Rouge and Serena Go from, I think her blog used to be called The Spicy Stiletto. I don't know if she still has her blog, but she's a great person to follow on Instagram. And I haven't seen either of them in like years. So that will be fun. No, I don't know who either of them are, but I'm sure I'll see them in your your content from your trip. <laughs> yes. It's weird to be recording this so ahead of time. <laughs> well, that's fun. Yeah. What's your high? My two little highs are, first of all, the weather has gotten nicer. It's been the hell's armpit part of summer in New York where it's just so hot and so humid and it's gotten uh, a little bit cooler, which is nice, which makes going on my sanity walks much more manageable. So that's been nice. And then I have a lot of fun social plans over the next week. I have, I feel like I've just been in my apartment being very antisocial the last week. And and so I'm excited about all these plans. I have a couple of fun dinners this weekend. And then you're here next week. And I invited myself out to, (laughs) we were going to have a dinner. And then I invited myself to dinner with um, your aunt and cousin. And then we have drinks the next night. So I'm just seeing you every night you're here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. My family was so excited when I was like, I was like, can Becca crash our family dinner? And they were like, yes, please. Oh, good. I'm excited too. And I'm also a little bit um, salty because your cousin Sarah moved to Brooklyn and I actually forgot that she was moving mid-July and I have not heard from her since she moved. So I'm also making my play for best friendship while we're at dinner. And I'm going to invite her on a date the next week so that, you know, we have something in the calendar because I want to catfish her into being my friend. Oh, I'm going to be so jealous. Um, I know that their move was really stressful. So I'm going to guess that that like on our group text, she's definitely been quieter than usual. And it seems like it was just I mean, moving. (laughs) I'm still I feel I still feel fresh from moving. So anyone who moves, I'm like, it's okay. I'll hear from you in three months. Well, I'm making my play. I'm making my play for friendship because Sarah and I have always been friends through you, but never one on one. And we're going to be one on one friends. I'm just concerned about the volume levels there. 
Yeah, we are pretty loud. So one time, you guys, we went to dinner at this really fun sushi restaurant. I forget where it was. It was somewhere in Midtown in the city. And it was Becca and I and my cousin Sarah. And we got asked to be quiet. You <laughs> did we get being... asked to leave or no, did we, we get didn't... asked to be quiet? We didn't get asked anything. You're just being overly sensitive about. <laughs> no, we got asked to be to quiet down. Like the, ta- the table next to us was like, can you be quiet? That is not how I remember it. It's what happened. <laughs> And it's my favorite story to tell to my family. <laughs> well, get your earplugs out. Sarah and I both live in Williamsburg now. <laughs> Williamsburg, you've been warned. What about Lowe's? I don't really have one. I just, this week before I go to New York, it's everybody's birthday party, which is super fun. So I'm not complaining. But I woke up this morning and my stomach was just like super bloated. And I just feel like my liver like needs a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't That's- think it's getting it next week. It's not. So, and then I go to LA. (laughs) So, this summer is like a summer of drinking, doing like minimal work, and just living it up. You always kind of knew that that was coming. Like, the the post quarantine summer was going to be. Yeah. And I just realized I said post pandemic, which is totally false, as like now we have to wear masks again. So, but post lockdown. Post lockdown. Yeah. Yes. What about you? Do you have a low? No, I haven't had time to have a low. It's only been two days. I was trying yeah. to go through my list of petty gripes this morning to figure out what I could complain about. And I honestly, like, I don't have anything. Yeah, I don't have one either. I, all I could think about is that I just feel like puffy and bloated. But that's my own doing and I've been having a blast. So I don't feel too bad about it. Well, let's get into our interview. But before we do, let's take a quick ad break. So today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. It's no surprise to me why they're America's number one meal kit. So for me, I love to cook and I love to eat, but I hate the meal planning and the grocery shopping. And this is a really niche complaint, but grocery shopping during the summer in New York City is the worst. I'm schlepping bags a mile and a half round trip in 90 degree heat with 100% humidity and it is just gross. And that's why I've been leaning on HelloFresh more. So I get something that's so much healthier and cheaper than takeout, and I get a delicious dinner that can be made in about 30 minutes. And there's no stressful meal planning or grocery store trips required. And I never get sick of it because they have such a broad selection. So every week I get to choose from 50 menu and market items, from vegetarian meals to craft burgers to extra special gourmet options. There's truly something for everyone. And all their meals are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutrition experts, so they make sure that they're delicious and simple. So usually my plan of attack with the menu is to get at least one old favorite and at least one thing that's new to me. So last week I tried the Chili Chili Bang Bang Chicken because I love anything spicy, so that one definitely called my name. It was delicious. And it's something that's totally different than what I would usually cook at home, so it felt interesting and different too. And it was the easiest thing in the world to make. In fact, I saved the recipe card, which I do quite often, so that I can make it again. And if you're less comfortable in the kitchen, I love that their step-by-step photo instructions makes trying something new really stress-free. So if you're ready for an easier, more delicious dinner, go to HelloFresh.com slash BOP14 and use code BOP14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash BOP14 and use code BOP14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. On to the interview. 
We are so thrilled to be joined by Nell Diamond today. So Nell, as if you don't know who she is, is the founder and CEO of Hill House Home, which is a digital first lifestyle brand offering bedding, bath, baby, accessories, apparel, and most famously, the very much beloved nap dress. Prior to starting Hill House, Nell worked in finance. She was a fixed income analyst at Deutsche Bank, and she lives in New York with her husband and is a mom of three. Welcome, Nell. That's me. We're so excited to have <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And you guys look so cute, both in your emerald green nap dresses. It makes me so happy. Yeah, we look a little like losers. <laughs> we're, uh, we're coordinating yeah. today, and we both showed up wearing a, green, a different green one. Um, but it felt like there was only one outfit option for today. So we had to do it. So yeah. happy. It's the best. Thank you, guys. So we, I'm still mad I didn't get the trellis, but now you're bringing the trellis back. She's coming back. She's yeah. coming back. We're so pumped. Yeah. Our most requested pattern ever. We were like, we got to do it. <laughs> so now I'm so excited you're here with us. And I would love to hear a little bit more about your backstory because I'm familiar with Hill House, but I'm a little less familiar with your story and, and kind of what you were doing before this. So can you kind of walk us through your life from, from college until now and what led you to create Hill House? Yes, I would love to. So I grew up abroad. So my parents are American, um, but I was born, you were like, start after college. And I'm like, how about birth? It was a rainy <laughs> <But> night. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, well, let's start from the beginning, but I promise no, that's, it. it's fine. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I was born in London. I lived in Japan for a little bit. And then I went back to London. I spent most of my childhood in London. So I have a, a British passport and a U.S. passport. And um, a lot of my like weird cultural references are from growing up in the UK. But anyway, this is important because when I was a teen in London, the most incredible important thing to me was my kind of weekend Saturday trip to the top shop, which was in Trafalgar Square. And I just loved it so, so, so much. Oxford Circus, not Trafalgar Square. Um, but it was uh, like a very, very important early thing to me. And I think I, I saw it as like a little bit of my therapy. Like I would go to this top shop. This is like the Kate Moss era mm -hmm. of top shop. So it was like you would go in there and it hadn't come out in the U.S. yet. And it was just so amazing to see how they had built this beautiful brand identity. And then I went off to college in the U.S. I was an English major and love, love, love my college experience. I took an internship my junior year in banking and um, ended up getting a full-time job offer and accepted it. And I, I remember kind of the night before I started full-time um, in finance, just crying, just being like so emotional and so upset. And I think it was like partly like this, like, you know, you're 22 years old, like what does life have in store for me? But the funny thing was, I also just was so kind of nervous and didn't really know what this would mean to be like a real full-time working adult in the world. So spoiler alert, I actually ended up really having a lovely time. I had an amazing boss. I had a really, really great team. And I felt like when I was in banking, I learned how to be an employee more than anything, like silly little things. Like I just remember so specifically, like sending an email without a subject line. And I had this awesome manager who just walked over and was just like, you know, just good to think about like the people who are receiving your emails get like hundreds of emails a day and a subject line helps them search. And like so empathetic and kind and teaching me things like that. You just don't have a class on that in college. And then I also learned how to price interest rate swaps. Um, one of them, I, one of those skills I use more in today's <laughs> life than the other. But while I was in banking, I think the, the big thing for me was I was obsessed with the big retail companies that I had been obsessed with when I was 16 years old. So I was on interest rate derivatives desk, which is in fixed income. And my friends, that was on floor three. And a lot of my friends were on floor four, which was equities. 
and they were tracking big consumer companies. And, you know, they're on these earning calls. I, I kind of had my first window into, oh my gosh, this quantitative side of my brain that like loves the numbers, loves the analytics, loves all of that can actually be married with this qualitative side of my brain that like is obsessed with, you know, a color story that a brand is telling or their ad campaign. And that was like the first inkling I had that, that I could, I could kind of marry those two things in my career going forward. So um, around that time, I started to, to also watch the, the next wave of D2C companies come about. And I was so interested in how they told stories to their consumers online. And as somebody who kind of grew up moving all the time, I, especially at that point, really cherished my home. So I shared an apartment with you know, three of my best friends from college and my little room was my sanctuary. And it had been my whole life. And I was you know, shopping for my first kind of adult apartment and thinking a lot about how I could express my personality through the space that I lived in. So I, I was trying to do that, trying to like have a sense of like my home being like this, like safe space that really just felt me when I woke up in the morning and struggling, um, struggling to find kind of like an aesthetic point of view that also married like supply chain dynamics that were interesting and a price point that I felt like I could afford. And so that, that was the early, early kind of idea for Hill House Home. I thought, what if I could create a home brand and a, 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 that, that, both married this like D to C ability to price things at a more accessible price point and the aesthetic and the branding that I've kind of always just admired from these legacy fashion brands. So as a, as a kind of obsessive student, my whole life, I decided that I didn't, I didn't have enough knowledge to start a company, which was good because I really didn't. I was literally 24 years old and I went to business school with the idea. So I went to business school, kind of incubated Hill House at my business school's startup incubator and then launched it six months after graduation. So that was in 2016. Um, the business has been around since then. And it's been just so much fun. I really you know, feel like I have my dream job. And kind of the coolest part about it is watching the business evolve almost as it's like a thing outside of myself. You know, This was like a little idea in my head for so many years. And now it, it's, there's like this line in a, the song by uh, that a uh, song by the chicks. It's like, it's something wild and unruly. I always think about that with Hill House. I'm like, it's a wild and unruly thing that like lives. It, it, it is a plant itself. And that's just been so cool over the last couple of years to, to see that. So um, here we are now. <laughs> I, I love that. And I think wild and really like really describes it because the nap dress has become extremely beloved. Like anytime I'm walking around, I see one out in the wild. But we were curious, like, I mean, I'm, I'm your customer. I have six. I think Becca has a little more restraint. Becca, how many I do you have? I only have the one. Okay. I thought so, but I wasn't sure. And I'm just curious, where do you think that the obsession with like collecting multiples of these dresses is coming from? Well, it's the best thing ever. I mean, I, I really, it's so incredibly humbling to, to hear from people who, who like even having one of them, let alone six. So it really, it never gets old um, to, to everyone on the Hill House team. Um, but I think, you know, the, the genesis of the nap dress in particular really came from this idea that I've always been um, somebody who kind of requires a lot from my clothes. I want them to be both beautiful and comfortable at the same time. And I'm, I'm kind of like ruthless in my pursuit of that. Um, there's a line in clueless where Cher is like having a mental breakdown on the couch. And she's like, maybe it's because my party clothes are so restrictive or whatever the line is. I remember that. Yeah. I always think of that. Cause I'm like, you don't want your party clothes to be too restrictive. 
you want to eat. You want to eat. And so the nap dress came to be because I really was looking to create something that I felt like I could feel like myself in. So still feel like I was expressing my personal sense of style and felt like me. But at the same time, I felt comfortable enough to like live through the like, you know, sometimes brutalities and sometimes beauties of the day. Um, and, and I remember the night before we launched it, I thought this could totally just be an L thing. Like people could be like, no girl, like I don't want to wear your dress. Like I'm not interested, but I think that it was so important to me when we started Hill House Home that I allowed room for that, right? Like I didn't want to create products that, that like you shove down people's throats. I wanted to create products that we as a team felt really, really strong about and then let people tell us they believed it too. And so I think that that contributed to the growth of the nap dress because we kept, we, you know, launched this very small capsule and it sold out. And then ever since then, we've just been iterating. So, you know, early on we heard, you know, we want dark fabrics because we want to wear it in the winter too, or you know, we want some thicker fabrics so that we can wear it to bed and wear it to dinner and all that stuff in the winter. So I think that that's been kind of key to the, the response to the nap dress has that iterative response that, that really takes into account what people are saying. So wait, so you launched Hill House Home in 2016 and you launched with bedding. When did the nap dress mm-hmm. come in the timeline? 2019. Okay. So three years later. And originally yeah. it was mm-hmm. supposed to be literally a nightgown. So no, it was always supposed to be a dress, okay. like a house okay. dress, right? So, and that's why I called it the nap dress. A, a nap dress was like kind of like a personal term that I had I had been using for a while about like dresses that were theoretically comfortable to nap in, right? That like you could, it was really just more about the comfort and it's gotten us into trouble now because it's a bit of a misnomer. Like if people don't know the dress, they're like, good for you taking naps. And I'm like, I literally have not taken a nap in <laughs> five years, <laughs> I wish. It's good. So it's really supposed to like evoke the comfort mm-hmm. of the dress, but no, I always wanted a dress that I could be awake, in, but still be as comfortable as sleep. And there are certain styles. So we have like a core five styles and, and, and certain styles are more traditional nightgowny and certain are better for like, you know, in and outside of right, the house. Right. And I, it feels to me from the outside, like this dress has gone completely viral. I, I got my first one earlier this year and I was, um, I was just on a trip to Newport a few months ago, and I walked into the house with a bunch of my girlfriends from college, and I'd worn it on the train up to Newport from New York. And I walked in the house, and somebody was like, is that the nap dress? And like, I've never worn a piece (laughs) of clothing that like somebody could be like, is that the blank? You know, like it just is like, it's its own entity. Like it feels so viral and feels so recognizable right now. I feel like I know so many different women who whose lives all look really, really different who are really into this style. I guess, how has it felt to you having this product become so in demand? It's felt really humbling. I think that, you know, so much of the growth of the business also has happened over a year when we've been inside. So, you know, I didn't, I think I always thought like back in 2016, like it's going to be that moment when I like see somebody with our product who I don't know. I remember the exact first order we had on Shopify of somebody I didn't know. Like I remember the first time I saw somebody with something of ours that I didn't know. That's just like, you know, that's like the lore of a company that like gets you through the hard days. And so I think this year it's been really humbling to see people respond to the product in that way and totally like mind blowing for us, but also like the ultimate compliment. I mean, I think that we designed this dress so to fit, you know, the lifestyles of people of all different ages, body shapes, body sizes, like, you know, geographies, all sorts of things. We wanted it to be like that sisterhood of the traveling pants moment that it really fit lots of people quite literally and metaphorically fit lots of people. And so it's, it's like the best compliment we could ever get when 
when we hear people kind of sharing it with their friends. And how did you scale up operations so quickly to meet the demand for this? Like you said, you started with a capsule. And I feel like based on the number of of women I know who own this dress, that it feels like, you know, it's much bigger than than it started. It's been, um, I mean, it's been a real challenge, but I mean, we have like, we have the most amazing team Hill House. And I think that, you know, for me personally, like I'm always the face of the brand. Right. And I think if there's anything I could like let people know, it's that there's like the most amazing team behind Hill House. And um, I'm probably just the one that overshares. Uh, So, so really the way we've done it is like holding hands with each other. Like it's been crazy. I mean, I remember, you know, the day that, that we, um, we, our office in New York city in, in March. And I had just found out I was pregnant with twins and we really didn't know what was going to happen. And there were like a combined, like six kids under four on our team <laughs> owned by different mothers. And we we're all just like, Oh, how are we going to do this? But I think the, the, we never could have scaled up the business in the last two years without the foundation that's been there since 2016. So we built these relationships with manufacturers that are real relationships, right? Like we really like care about them and care about their business and care about their people and like just chat. And same thing with like things as simple as like our freight forwarder who like make sure that the cartons get off the plane and get to our warehouse in New Jersey. Like these are real relationships that we spent years building. This wasn't like an overnight thing. So I think that we've been lucky that the foundation that we had of the business was so solid. The team we had was so solid. And so we were able to like kind of scale up from that. That doesn't mean there have been no issues, but I think that that's made everything possible. And also everybody on the team is just so funny. Like when, when bad things happen, we like really laugh and make our way through it. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, there are lots of important things in the world. Like we know, we know we'll make it through. (laughs) We'll make it through the small challenges. So one of the And speaking of like not taking things too seriously, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on was when I first got my nap dress, I was still living in Brooklyn, so it must have been like February or March. I went on Instagram stories and I was talking about it and I didn't tag you or anything. I was just like, well, it doesn't have pockets, so I'm not sure if it's worth it. And you were the most gracious. Like you turned me into a lifetime customer. I mean, now I have six of them. And you kind of taught me a little bit about the fabrics. I feel like you said that the Ellie is like a fragile little babe at one point. Is that the right word? Because the pockets would weigh down the smocking and we don't want that. So I was hoping you could like talk a little bit about this because I found it like so interesting. I'd love for you to talk to us a little about the pocket situation, but also the fabrics and your sourcing process. Because you also said, I think one of my readers was like, I don't like the black one. And you were like, that's hilarious because the black one's the most expensive to produce. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, um, I'm so grateful to you for even doing reviews. I have such tremendous respect for the work that you do to share with your followers and, and anyone who's sharing that kind of like feedback on their stories. I think it's awesome. So I just didn't think you were going to see it. And I was like, shit. And then you were so nice. I see everything. I'm like, I am the most Instagram stalkery person on earth. Like I've seen like everything anyone's ever said. (laughs) I can see. Um, no, but, but, but really it's not, I don't, I, I think I was so, First of all, I was just happy to see that you had one because, you know, I admired what you do and and I thought it looked amazing on you. So I probably like would have like not said anything if if, you know, you hadn't brought up the pocket thing. And really, it just is more from a point of view of like isn't this interesting? Like, I'm happy to have somebody else to talk about this with because. Oh, I was like nerding out. (laughs) 
So anyway, so the pockets thing is basically that. So for, for years, we've been trying to figure out a way to get pockets into our dresses. It's very delicate fabric and construction. So our elasticated smocking is like really, really, like I said, I think I did say like a fragile little babe, like these dresses hold you in enough that you don't feel like exposed. Right. And like make you feel great. And elasticated smocking is huge. So we found when we were doing like early prototypes of these dresses, and we spent like a year doing prototypes and from 2018 to 2019, when you would put a phone or like a wallet or like anything else in there, it would weigh down the fabric so much that like the elastic up here and the elastic on your chest would be weighed down too. And it would make the dress sag basically. So we decided, you know, rather the dress doesn't sag and we'll work on the pockets thing. And so I'm very excited to make an announcement on your podcast. (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) We think we figured out a way to do it. (laughs) So we, Oh my gosh, I can't wait. (laughs) Think that we're going to be able to have pockets by next spring. We've been testing it for literally another year. Basically think we found a construction elastic that like keeps it up enough that the phone weighing it down won't be a problem. But you know, the real reason I wanted to respond to you is because like, we're thinking about this too. Like we agree. We would also love to figure out like how to make pockets work. And it's something we're kind of constantly evaluating. And that's that iterative process for us. And then the other piece that I thought was so interesting that one of your followers said was about fabric. And that's been something that's been a real learning experience for me people have such personal fabric preferences. So I think your follower had said like they didn't like the black one because they felt like it was a cheaper fabric than another one. Yes. And they like the tartan. Yeah. And they like the tartan. And I was like, it's just so fascinating because, you know, we buy these fabrics from a mill. So the black fabric that she thought felt cheaper than the other one was significantly more expensive. And so it's just interesting. Like, I think it's really a personal preference thing. Like what fabrics do you respond to? What fabrics you like the most? And we try to, you know, have a range of different fabrics for different preferences, but I'm, I'm just, I can't help myself. I love this stuff so much. So I'm like, I'm probably everybody would advise me like not to respond to DMS, but I'm like, I really, I really care. (laughs) Oh, I mean, now I own six of them. And if you hadn't, I would have just been like, yeah, this is a good dress, whatever. And now I'm like a fanatic, like setting alarms when you have a new drop coming out and the whole, the whole song and dance. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So speaking about being the most Instagram stalkery person, you just said that yourself. I'm not calling you. (laughs) I did. Um, yeah, has yeah. there been like a wildest moment on this nap dress nation ride, like seeing it on somebody or, or some piece of press or just, I don't know what has been the wildest moment. So, okay. My, there are so many wild moments. My first wildest moment was in New York city. I, I've been working from my bedroom as, as many people have been. And I basically like work in my windowsill. And like, I always joke to like other members of my team, like there's a building directly across with like the windows that look directly into mine. And I feel like they're my coworkers. I'm like, oh, you getting lunch? Like, I'm gonna go get mine now. Like, they're like, that's how close we are. Like, I feel like we're friends. And although we don't know each other's names and we're neighbors, I was like sitting in my bedroom desk one day, and you know, I, I hadn't left the house in so long. I think I was I was pregnant with the twins then, and I looked out into the street and I saw somebody wearing an afterdress walking down the street. And I like literally screamed. I like threw my computer. I was like on a Zoom call. I was like, this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me to just have somebody walking by my window, like in this product that like, there's no high like that. Like it's something that we dreamed up in our brains and like wrote down. And then there it is. It's out in the world. I think that was just so, so, so cool. And then I think anytime anyone like uses the term map dress, it's really wild for me because again, this is something like my brothers used to make fun of me for. Like, I can't tell you how like random this was. And I, I really believed it was like an important term and we purposely never called anything a nightgown at the beginning because we didn't want people to think it was, you know, for sleeping. So anyway, it's, those are, those are two pretty wild moments, but 
every week I try and go through like the tag pictures on Instagram of Hell House and look at people. And it's just the most exciting thing. I'm like always, always kind of seeing how people style it, seeing how they like, you know, make it their own, I think is so cool. I think that that's one of the reasons you're so successful is because you care so much and like you listen and, you know, iterate based on the feedback you're getting. That's so kind. Thank you. I, um, I, I definitely really care. I, I love, love, love this product. And I think that we want people to feel good in it. And that's why we're like, okay, free refunds, you know, free exchange, like all of those things. Like we're happy to like take it back if you don't like it. Cause the, at the end of the day, I really believe like having anything in your closet that doesn't make you feel good, anything like, you know, in your home that doesn't make you feel good. Like there's no point life's too short. So it's definitely very important to us that people feel good in their, in their, in their Hill House product. Now, do you have a favorite nap dress? Oh my gosh. It is like picking a favorite child. Um, so, I mean, I think that I, I really love Athena. Um, I wear Athena a lot. I just love like the little sleeves, but it's summer right now. So probably I'm being biased by Athena right now. Um, and then the blue botanical print, which I'm wearing right now is like our classic. It's like one of the first prints we ever did with the, this amazing artist, Layla Jaboos. And I will always love this print. It has little hidden bunny rabbits in it, which people like often don't know hidden bunny rabbits and hidden little bows. So I think blue botanical is, is probably my favorite print. Other than the pockets, which you already told us about, which is so major, can you give us any previews of, of what's coming for Hill House this fall or winter? Well, you should know that like my team likes you guys so much and likes this podcast that they were like, you have to announce it. People They're are like, going to freak out. Podcast. Like, yeah, they were like, tell them on the podcast. I was like, okay, I will. Um, so that was all my team being like, you should tell them pockets are coming. Um, so pockets are coming. We have this re-edition coming, which we announced yesterday. So the trellis pattern is coming back. And I think what I would say, I had like the funniest DM mystery. Somebody was like, okay, just so I know like what it takes to get a pattern back. Like, can you give me the numbers of comments you need? Cause I will get an army out there to like start commenting to get another, <laughs> to get another print back. So I would say the re-edition is something that we're going to do, you know, hopefully every year. So if people respond to a pattern and they really like it, like there's always a chance we'll bring one pattern back a year. So I would say definitely like keep that feedback coming. We, we don't like pick out of a hat. Like we pick based on real feedback for these re-editions that, that people want something and they feel like they didn't get it. Cause that's actually one of the most challenging things, right? Like we never want to overproduce. We don't want to like have stock just sitting there. But at the same time, we want to meet demand. So that always there's going to be friction. Like always some people are going to like feel like they didn't get the print they wanted. And we really hate that. Like we're not trying to create that environment. So that's why we're kind of doing the re-edition. Just in case there's like a time when we like can't accurately predict how much people will like a print. <laughs> what about solids? Like because the red I have the red one and my audience is like, I'm so mad I didn't get the red one. Yes, more solids coming. We have like really nice solids in the fall coming um, that are that are awesome. Some really, really cool solids. Okay, let's take one more ad break. So bittersweet news, as we said before, one of our favorite face masks is being retired. So you've heard us rave about the night pillow and we love their 100% silk face masks. So we are both still masking up frequently for travel and places that require masking indoors. Yeah, I've gone back to wearing a mask anytime I go inside. And, you know, it looks like mask mandates might be coming back. I know LA put their mask mandate back and more places are are starting to require masks as Delta variant cases are rising in certain parts of the country. But the silver lining is that the night mask, which is our favorite mask, has been marked down on all of the remaining masks and mask accessories by 50%. And with the code NIGHTBOP, you can get an additional 20% off. 
Yes. So that is such a huge savings, but these masks are really worth it. They feel really light and super comfortable. They're easy to wear, which is so important when you have to wear a, a mask for a long time, like at the airport. I've yes, been, on a plane. Oh my God. When I go to LA, it's like you, you're wearing your mask at the airport. Then you, I fly to Atlanta. Then I'm in the, in the airport again. Then I'm on a plane to Atlanta. Then I'm back at the airport. So it's like a like eight or nine hour affair when you like count an airport wait times. So I love this mask for those kind of long travel days. Yeah, they're a lot more comfortable to me than any of the like cottony cloth masks. And because night masks are made with 100% mulberry silk, they don't absorb moisture the way that cotton does. So they don't get like damp. There's like a gross way to explain this. You all know what I'm talking about. And they help keep my skin hydrated, which is also an added bonus because my skin gets so dry when I fly. And can we just talk about masking for a second? It's the absolute worst. I feel like I just like always have like a few little bumps and red spots on my chin. The mulberry silk, though, is naturally hypoallergenic, which means that my skin stays clear when I'm wearing my night mask. And you don't just need to take our word for it. You know who else loves night masks? Gigi Hadid. Yeah, stars, they're just like us. But really, every celebrity you can think of has been spotted wearing their night mask. Nina Dobrev, Adele. Yes, Adele. Jessica Alba, Haley Bieber, Priyanka Chopra, the list goes on. Seriously, it's the Hollywood mask choice. Okay, and as we said, COVID is still a serious issue. And unfortunately, there are places where cases are rising. So it's super important that we continue to protect ourselves and our loved ones. It's always good to have a mask on you just in case you need it. And this is the only mask you need. And it comes in six beautiful colors that actually go with your outfit and look good. My favorite for summer is the blush one, but I love them all. And they also come in black, emerald, gunmetal, navy, and champagne. Yeah, so the silk triangle and the silk masks are all 50% off. If you go to discovernight.com today and shop all the night masks and mask accessories. And of course, remember to use code NIGHTBOP for that extra 20% off. Back to the episode. So I want to flip gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about the business side of things. And one thing I'm curious, and I'm asking this from personal experience, um, so I actually used to work in the D2C consumer space as well, and I was the head of marketing for a really long time for Lola, which is a feminine care brand. And I'm curious if you ever find, do people devalue your work because it's seen as feminine and fluffy and like geared towards women? Or what has been your experience in the broader like business space? Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting question. I think that, you know, for people who know me or, or have met me in, in my life, I think that like I present as like so incredibly archetypally feminine, like everything about me, my voice, <laughs> the way I do my hair, the way I dress, like I am like your archetype of what feminine has, has traditionally meant. And I also, you know, like often have three kids attached to me and talk about family life and all these things. But at the same time, I also run a business and I have interests outside of my family and kids. And um, I'm more than just how I kind of appear on the outside. And I think that, you know, in many ways, I internalized that for a long time. When I was younger, I think that working in finance was was interesting, because while there were, you know, certainly really accomplished and incredible women working at the bank when I worked there, I think that there was a huge part of me that thought I won't be taken seriously if I'm not, if I present in a way that feels authentic to me. And I've seen huge strides in that. And I think that it's been full of women who just are doing their thing and to work for customers who are just doing their own thing. And that anybody who tells you that there's no value in fashion or no value in things that women traditionally like is 
has their own issues. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, we've been, we've been kind of, I've certainly internalized for a long time that like liking shopping, liking clothing, liking frilly things, liking hair bows meant that I wasn't serious and meant that I wasn't smart or what couldn't, you know, do other things. And I'm so happy to be free of that trap because that's a trap. That's a trap to keep people in their boxes. And what really matters is people's actions, right? All these other things are just, you know, how you present yourself and your interests. So I definitely feel very, like I'm personally in a position right now in my life where I know that it's my actions that define me and, and none of those projections that other people have about me or assumptions. And are, are you guys venture backed? Um, yeah, we have some, some venture investors. Yeah. Has that yeah. experience been challenging? I'm, I know, so Grace and I met when we worked at Bobble Bar a very long time ago. I started working there in, in 2012 and Grace, you started working there in like 2010? I think yeah. so. Yeah. And yeah. I ran social and she ran marketing. And I remember one of the the challenges we had was with male investors that they frankly just did not understand the business or the opportunity because they said, well, you know, there's so much available in the jewelry category because they couldn't tell the difference between, you know, what Tiffany's was doing and what David Yerman was doing and what Claire's was doing versus what Bobble Bar was doing, which at the time was kind of filling a a white space in in fashion jewelry. And one of the things that we would have to do, which was shitty because it was because male investors didn't get it, was that we would send jewelry to their, or we would send either jewelry or gift cards to their wives so that their wives could tell them how cool the shopping experience was and how how innovative it was. But there was a, it was definitely like an uphill battle. Like men just did not engage with the idea. Has that been a challenge at all raising money or have you primarily raised money from from female VCs? And that sounds really challenging. I mean, you know, the position we're in, our our largest investor is a VC fund with a female partner and the female partner is the one who runs our deal. So I think that we've been, you know, she's one of the closest people to me in the business and we've been certainly does not, <laughs> does not, you know, um, question the the kind of power of, of the products that we're creating or the, the power of the consumer who we're focused on. I think that, you know, one of the biggest learnings for me in the past couple of years has really been that, you know, I don't, we don't owe anyone an explanation, right? Results are what matters and execution is what matters. And I think that we've really tried in the business to like keep our blinders on, like not look at what other D2C companies are doing, not look at what other luxury brands are doing, not look at like what other, what VC funds are investing in and just focus on like the heart of the business, which is how customers respond to our product and, and what they want more of. And so like having that lens of like just focusing on the results and the execution has been, I think, really helpful because it can, it can be, you know, it can be such a like, such a trap to start falling into that other game. But I think we've been, we've been lucky in that respect that we've had the support of like amazing female investors and some amazing men too. I think that that's, that's been great too. You know, not all, um, not all of VC investors are, are kind of equivalent. And I think that we've been lucky to have some who we've partnered with, who, who truly understand the value proposition and are just really excited about what we're building. I'd say partly maybe that's because, you know, we, we didn't raise right away. And also we've been really focused on profitability. That's great to hear that, that that hasn't been your experience and it sounds like this space is, you know, evolving and, and becoming uh, slightly less sexist. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, there's certainly a lot, a lot to, a lot to do. And, you know, I, I won't, I won't for a second pretend that I'm anything other than like incredibly privileged, even as it comes to my access to amazing female investors. So I know this is not the case for many, many, many women and especially women of color. 
raising money in the United States and all across the world. I think that I've seen tailwinds that are exciting when it comes to kind of representation across investors, but there's still so much work to be done. And I think that, you know, hopefully, hopefully in the future, it it becomes even more rare to, to have experiences like it sounds like you guys had. All right, let's take one more ad break. So I don't know about you, but I am currently making the rounds seeing all of my doctors that I skipped during COVID, but I'm also having to find a lot of new doctors. So it turns out that my primary care doctor left her practice during quarantine and moved out of the city. And so when I found that out, my first step was to procrastinate because usually it's such a pain in the ass to find a new doctor, and especially with my awful self-employed insurance, which no one takes. So then I finally got my button gear and I went on ZocDoc and I was completely embarrassed that this task that had been languishing on my to-do list for literally weeks took me all of five minutes to do. So with ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or on video chat. And you never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. Whether you need a primary care physician like I did, a dentist, a dermatologist, a psychiatrist, an eye doctor, or another specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com BOP and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash B-O-P. Back to the episode. Switching gears slightly, one of my favorite questions that we got was asked, I pulled my audience for questions, was what is your advice for a teenager that would want to someday run a brand like Hill House Home in the future? Oh my gosh, such a great question. I mean, I think I would say, I think a lot about kind of my my teenage self with this question. And I would say, pursue what interests you ruthlessly. And that doesn't, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about what interests you. If it's anime, if it's, you know, I don't know, like robotics, if it's makeup, if it's hair care, pursue it ruthlessly because your interest is actually the the, the most important thing of all. Your interest is what's going to like keep you motivated. And especially in entrepreneurship, like you have to truly, truly love what you do. Or you're just not going to want to do the hard things. So I would say like, pay attention to what piques your interest, pay attention to the thing that like when you're sitting on your, your bed at night, you just like can't stop running over. For me, that was outfits. I was constantly running over what I was going to wear the next day to school and, and pay attention to that. And maybe that's a clue. Like look for those clues as a teen, look for the clues of what's really drawing you out of yourself and making you so excited. And then ruthlessly pursue that, whether that's through, you know, working kind of entry-level jobs in that field. Like I worked at Abercrombie and Fitch in London when I was the first US, the first UK store of Abercrombie and Fitch was in London. And I worked there and I, it was like to this day, like working retail, like on the floor, like that's the way that you like figure out consumer businesses. There's no other way. So yeah, I would say ruthlessly pursue what interests you. I'm also very curious to get your take on this question because this question comes up for us pretty much any time we do a a listener question uh, request. Somebody always wants to know whether or not they should go to business school. And Grace and I have both not been to business school, so we can only present that point of view. But somebody asked, how do you think business school has helped you in your career and would you recommend it? Yeah. I mean, so I think it's so important. This question is, is, um, you know, subjective, I think. And it's so important to remember that answers to this question will always be that way. It's everyone's personal circumstances are totally different for me personally. I went to business school at like 20, 
23, 24 years old. And I knew that I wanted to start this business. And I knew that I did not. I studied English literature in undergrad. Even though I worked in finance, I worked in sales and trading. I did not know how to do a PL or a cash flow or like really the fundamentals of starting a business. And I also knew that I really wanted to start it on my own and work it into profitability. So it was kind of like a, you know, one way or another, I'm going to have to get like the fundamentals of business down before I start this company. And so it was an obvious choice for me. Um, I think specifically also I applied only to one business school and that business school was a business school that I knew had a great incubator for, for kind of businesses like mine. And so that was a really purposeful decision. But I think again, and like, this is kind of the same advice I was giving earlier. Like, don't watch what your friends are doing. Don't watch what like somebody you follow on Instagram's doing. Like, really like think through what the best case for you is personally and what you're looking to get out of it. And that will help you kind of make that decision and, and, um, ensure that you're not kind of a wasting money and b wasting time with a advanced graduate degree. I would say hiring wise, like we certainly don't like in, in my business, like we are not hiring people based on their graduate degree. I don't think it's like a requirement in the same way that it might've been a requirement kind of 15 years ago. We're going to start winding down a little bit with some just little fun and easy questions. This one I was really curious about. Who are all these nap dress styles named after? Oh, um, so, so it's, it's some of them. We always joke because the Ellie, which is our most popular nap dress that both of you guys are wearing right now. Like we basically picked a name out of a hat on this. Oh, like, oh, this should have been a little more thoughtful. But so we have, so our senior designer, Jocelyn, our design director, Sarah, and I have like a shared note on an iPhone where we put names in and the names are a combination of things. They're a combination of like names we are obsessed with and like have always loved um, people we know who we want to honor people on our team and we do all these styles and the styles get like assigned. We assign them names every season that we do things. So some of them are literally like Elizabeth is my middle name. I think that's probably how Ellie came into the mix. Sarah, our design director, like has a roommate whose name was Ellie. And like, I think that's how that came. And then some of them are really specific. So the Nestle dress, which is what I'm wearing. Nestle is a consultant for a company called Angora Group who's been working with Hill House on supply chain and product development since 2016. She's a queen. She's like one of the coolest and most experienced people in the field that I've ever met in in fashion apparel and sourcing. And we just really wanted to honor her with a dress. We have the Aquila dress, which is named after Dr. Aquila Cadet who is another consultant that we've been working with for a while and one of my good friends now. And we wanted to honor her with a dress. So it's a combination of things. And then some of them are like, Sarah and I always joke, like it's a good place to go look for baby names because you can like tell what we're, <laughs> what we're thinking for our own children <laughs> based on what's going on on the site. <laughs> so the most popular question with our audience was about your hair. And so many people said that your hair <laughs> always looks amazing. So we wanted to get your hair care routine in any any wrecks you have. So, I mean, it's one of the like funniest things about me is that I am like incredibly low maintenance when it comes to beauty and everyone would like definitely think the opposite because I'm really high maintenance in a lot of other ways, <laughs> but I, so I have really long hair and I've always had like really long, thick hair. I also like have to shave my legs like three times a day. So it's not just on my head that it's a problem. <laughs> I'm just a very hairy person. So my hair it's actually super low maintenance. So basically if you, if people who have been following me for a long time know that I only use one conditioner, this is not sponsored at all. 
I would love it to be. I've been like, you know, literally saying this for six years and they haven't reached out to me, but it's Garnier Fructis, like in the green bottle. It's like that you get in the drugstore is like the only thing that untangles my hair, my detangles my hair. My hair gets so tangly because it's so thick. So I like basically use half a bottle of that every time I wash my hair of the conditioner. And then I use whatever shampoos in, in the shower, which is usually like something my husband has picked out, but sometimes it's like also the matching Garnier shampoo. Sometimes it's like Bumble and Bumble, whatever's there. And then I, my hair is so long that it takes like a really long time to dry. So I shower at night. I brush it through in the shower to get rid of tangles, like with just a big paddle brush in the shower. And then when I get out of the shower, I brush it again wet. And I put it into two braids and then I sleep on it. And when I wake up in the morning, it's like dry with a little wave. And I find that that like is clean and, and good enough for me to, um, to get through the day. If I'm like doing something special, I'll maybe go to like dry bar and get a blowout, but it takes so long. And I am so antsy sitting in that chair that I really save that for special occasions. <laughs> it's really tough to sit in the chair for that long for me. I just get so bored, but that's the hair care routine. I love accessories. So like I'm wearing our Nor headband right now. I find that like headbands and bows are just a really nice way to just like, you know, take it up a level. And especially with an after just like dress it up that one extra level, but I've never dyed my hair when I go gray. I think it's going to be like an adjustment because if I decide to start dyeing it, I'm going to realize like what it's like to have to like go to the hairdresser all the time, which I currently don't do. Um, but yeah, I'm just a super, super hairy person. <laughs> That is so funny. What about other beauty essentials? Do you have any other like products you can't live without? Yeah. Well, so I, I really love Botox. I've been getting Botox since I was like 25. Um, I have like wide, wide set eyes that have always kind of given me crow's feet. And it was one of those things, like I, I literally have had it since I was like, you know, an early teen. And I remember I go to the derm, I have really pale skin. So I go to the dermatologist like twice a year to do skin cancer checks. And I said to him, like, you know, what's up with these crow's feet? Like what age am I like, you know, starting to think about eye cream and like all this stuff. And he kind of suggested to me that we could try like a very early tiny bit of Botox to, to help with my crow's feet. And I just loved it. I really, really loved it. I thought it like made such a difference to me. It didn't make a huge difference to anyone else in my life, but you know what? I'm the one that matters. You're, you're the one that's looking in the mirror yourself. Like you're the one that matters. So I love it. So I do that probably twice a year for crow's feet and it just makes me feel like much better. And then I just started using this skincare company called fig one fig one beauty i've never used retinol before but they have like a really light retinol so i've been scared to use retinol and this has been good i've been putting it on they told me to put it on like over their moisturizer because it'll it'll like make it less strong for me to try and then i use uh, i also really like uh dennis gross like peel pads i use those sometimes and then I am obsessive about sunscreen. So I use the Elta MD sunscreen every single day, like in the dead of winter and don't go outside without a hat. <laughs> I have to tell you, I just got Botox for the first time five months ago and my crow's feet have always bothered me and I didn't care about my forehead. I was like, whatever, forehead, whatever. And I didn't even know it was an option to get it for, it changed my life. <laughs> like it's the best. I didn't know either. Cause I always heard also, I have this theory about Botox that when people are like talking about Botox, they're often talking about fillers. Like Botox has not, does not change my face. Like it doesn't, yeah. it just like makes it like, it's a little bit glowier and like the lines less pronounced next to my eyes. Mm -hmm. Such a huge confidence thing for me. I really am, am grateful for it. So I'm all for people trying it. 
Yeah, I'm going back for it in New York next week, and I cannot wait. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. So last question for you. We also heard from a lot of people who love your style, and Hill House is a little bit more of a reach for them price-wise, so more of like a special treat type thing rather than their whole closet. But they wanted to know what budget or mainstream brands do you love and wear? Oh my gosh. So at this point, I re I I this is an annoying answer, but I really only wear Hell House. That's fair. It's your brand. <laughs> so yeah. you're the it's face difficult. of it. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, it's tough because I have like special pieces in my closet that I might wear for like a wedding or like a birthday. Like my dad's 70th birthday was on um Tuesday and I wore like a really special piece that actually my mom and I share. But I've been really wearing Hill House for every day. I think that I would say when it comes to like thinking about clothing, something that's been really empowering for me is to be a obsessive outfit repeater. There is no reason you should not have like some great outfits and wear them to death. Like the rule that you're supposed to like have a different look and never be seen in the same look. Like that's crazy. Like figure out what works for you and just wear it. So I think that's also been part of my thing with Hill House. Like I really know which styles I like the best and how to wear them and what to do with my hair and which shoes I like to wear with them. And so I think that if you're thinking about, you know, your clothing budget for fall or winter or whatever like that, I would say like picking a few pieces that, um, that you really, really love and wearing them a lot rather than like a lot of different things at lower price points is, is kind of my biggest piece of advice. Now you have been such a wonderful guest. I learned so much about the history of the Naftress and this was just such like an interesting conversation to me. And I assume it will be for our listeners as well, but can you tell them where they can find you on the internet, where they can find Hill House, how they can support you? Yes, absolutely. So we're www.hillhousehome.com. And then you can find us on Instagram at Hill House. And I'm on Instagram at Nellie Diamond, N-E-L-L-I-E Diamond. Um, and that's that's where I hang. Spend a lot of time on Instagram. I'm going to stalk you if you follow is me. There, She's going to stalk you. Is there you. an inside track on how people get the latest news about either restocks or about new releases? I mean, like to the detriment of my team, like certainly my Instagram stories. I'm just like such a bad secret keeper. I really can't. There's actually, there's one secret that's going to come out next week that I've, I've held in and I'm so impressed with myself, but literally I'm like the worst. I just get so excited and I like share things. Like literally yesterday I like talked about this re-edition and a follower DM me and she's like, babe, you told us about this three weeks ago. I was like, oh, I did. I didn't know I did, but I guess I did by showing you like the corner of the dress in the, in the background. So I would say follow me on stories for like, you know, things that, that I think are funny and maybe bagels and like secrets about Hill House and then follow Hill House for like, you know, the real actual helpful stuff. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. It was really great to talk to you. Thank you guys. I really, really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Okay. So let's get into a little bit of end matter. Do you have an Instagram obsession this this week? I do. I'm feeling very young and hip. So my Instagram obsession is it's me, Tinks. Do you know Tinks? No. I Somebody, maybe it was like Steph McNeil, like somebody that I follow for like snarky influencer news was talking about Tinks. Oh, interesting. So she's very big on TikTok. And um, I, I see her a bunch on my For You page, but I don't actually follow her on TikTok, I don't think. But I really like her on Instagram. So she's like 26. She's much younger than me. She makes me feel like I'm young and hip. And I don't know. Like, I just feel like she's she does a lot of Q&As and she gets a lot of dating questions. And she always gives such good dating advice 
And a lot of it is to girls who are younger than her. And it's very empowered. Like, I feel like she's like an older sister to girls who are in their teens and very early 20s. And I just like how positive and empowered she is about sex and about like And this is on Instagram, not TikTok, right? Yeah, this is on Instagram. Okay, I'm going to follow her. Yeah, I'm, I'm very into her. She makes me like, I don't necessarily relate to her because I'm 10 years older than her, I think. But I'm like, oh, I feel tapped into the, to what the kids are doing through her. Cool. What's yours? Mine is a home account. It's called Somewhere I Would Like to Live. And it's just like really cool. What a good handle. Yeah, such a good handle. I don't know how I just found it. It has like almost a million followers. It just has cool homes and like cool living rooms and just interesting home stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. What about regular obsessions? So this one has come up on the podcast before. I'm so jealous. It has spiked in both how obsessed with it I am and how much of a problem it is. Will you bring me strawberry skulls to dinner? Maybe. (laughs) Okay. And I'll tell you why it's maybe. So there is the Swedish candy store called Bon Bon that historically has been on the Lower East Side. They're opening a new one in Williamsburg. Oh, it's not open yet. Pretty close. Well, it's kind of open. So um, they're on Seamless. So you can Seamless candy, which has been such a problem for me. I'm so obsessed with it. It's like it's literally a three minute walk from your house. Well, they're not open. You can't go inside. Oh, okay, okay. So they still have they still have all the um, like uh, paper in the windows. Like it's not open yet, but they are doing delivery. So um, I discovered this because oh something happened. I don't something bad happened to Rachel, and I I don't remember what it was. And I happened to look online to see if bonbon was open because i was like gonna get her candy and i saw that they do delivery so i ordered her bonbon on seamless which was a discovery that was very problematic because now i've probably ordered it three times in the last six weeks and um you you just ordered like a mixed bag but the candy is so good it's very 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 sour like more sour than most american candy and it's like fresher too but i am so upset it's become my go-to bribed myself when writing i'm like if you write you can have candy but anyway the reason i was saying maybe is because i don't think it's open so you can't actually pick what you get you just order like a mixed bag oh interesting okay well I- i'm actually staying on the lower east side so i can probably just go to bon bon yeah, myself you can, to, you can go to the regular yeah. one yeah yeah it's not it's not open yet i think it's like an any day now situation so if it happens to open before next week then yes i will bring you some but otherwise i don't really have the flexibility to yeah. request no, just that, strawberry skulls. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So yeah, it's my obsession. We have a very love-hate relationship with how easy and accessible this candy is now. Yeah. I need to set some rules for myself. Um, That is dangerous. It's very dangerous. I was walking what? home from drinks like a couple of weeks ago with Keith and Ryan. So it was a while ago because they've now moved back to New York. But I was walking home from drinks with them and um. I found a candy store that's almost like Bonbon, it's, but it's not as good as Bonbon. Nothing is as good as Bonbon. And it's near your apartment? Yes. Ooh, danger. Yeah. I mean, near my apartment in Charleston is like, it's like three quarters of a mile away. Oh, okay. So it's not very It's not like close. super near, but it's near for Charleston standards. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, what about you? What's your obsession? So mine is um, it's, it's a website called The Peach Truck. And what happened was my friend Molly, who owns Red Clay Hot Sauce, which makes those amazing margarita salts we had and a whole bunch of other stuff, sent me to promote their spicy peach honey, which is amazing too, sent me all of these peaches from a place called the peach truck, which is based, I think it's a Georgia company, which would make the most sense. And they deliver like boxes of like gorgeous, beautiful, fresh pizza peaches, which I think would be a great gift to give someone. And also like peach ice cream, grilled peaches over a salad. Like I have so many peaches and I'm, I posted on Instagram. I was like, what do I do with all these peaches? But they're delicious. I had to really restrain myself to stop myself from trolling you, but I can no longer restrain myself and I have to troll you a little about that photo. You were looking at the peaches the same way that I feel like another person would be looking at their newborn child. Like you would just like you had them and you just had this like beautific, like angelic look in your face. And I was like, I was laughing so hard at it. So maybe I, that's what I'm maternal towards is like, my cat and fruit yeah (laughs) yeah because don't have a maternal instinct otherwise (laughs) i'd be like staring at a baby with disgust (laughs) that sounds that that sounds so bad i wouldn't i love my i love my niece and my nephews (laughs) i just don't want to have kids (laughs) but yeah i've never seen you look more maternal than you did towards those peaches that's amazing And I didn't want to say anything on your Instagram because then I feel like somebody would be like, they're mad at each other. They hate each other. But oh I was my like, God. oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. They're mad at each other. That's so um, what about What about on the book front? On the book front, I mean, since we just recorded two days ago, I sh- clearly should have saved some. But I finished up While We Were Dating by Jasmine Guillory. And then I started just last night. So I've only read like 30 pages of it. The Showgirl by Nicola Harrison. And that is – um. It's about the Ziegfeld Follies, this woman who moves to New York and becomes a dancer. And I don't know a lot about it, but it's grabbing me so far. Like, I Is it a thriller or a historical fiction? I think it's historical fiction. It was kind of on – it's been on the, a bunch of book lists. Like, if you loved the Elizabeth Gilbert book, I'm blanking. City of Girls. If you loved City of Girls, you'll love this. And City of Girls was, like, one of my favorite books that I read whenever I read it. So I was excited. Great. I'm excited to hear more about it. Yeah. What about you? I'm still reading While We Were Dating by Jasmine Guillory. I have not opened it since then because I, when we recorded two days ago, I had just finished season one of Succession. I started season two of Succession and like have devoted all of my free time to it. I'm now done as of last night, but I was so addicted to Succession and I needed to see it. So I have not read a single word, (laughs) Um, but it was worth it. Um, But we do have our August book club pick for you. So... Uh, We announced this last week, and if you missed it, we are reading Ace of Spades by Farida Abike Amide. Um, She is a British author, and she's actually quite young. I believe it says in the author's note in the book that she was a senior in college when it was published. So it's just published recently. So I, I, I think she still is, or maybe she just graduated. It is hands down the best YA book that I've read this year. It's a thriller. It's a psychological thriller. I don't want to tell you too much because I honestly think it's one of those books that's better if you know nothing. But it's not um, – it's a little scary, but I, I'm a baby and, like, I enjoyed it. It wasn't too much for me as a thriller. Um, I don't think it's, it's really scary smart. at all, but it's really smart. And I love really I, I love twisty. this place. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. So um, we're going to be reading that and discussing it on the last Wednesday of the month. So grab a copy and – 
uh, read along with us. I feel like this one's a little under the radar. I haven't seen this that many places. So hopefully you pick it up and read along with us. Yeah. I just said that twice, but that's how I feel. And if you want more of us, we are on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. We have a Facebook group also called Bad on Paper Podcast. Um, I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And my blog is thestripe.com. And I post there six days a week. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I also co-write, produce, and direct a series of podcasts called Rom-Com Pods. And the third season uh, just finished in July. It's called Showmance. If you haven't listened to it, I would love you to check it out. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. <laughs>